Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you like this show and want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Greetings, programs, and welcome back to another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. So, Derek, how has your week been? Well, I survived the frozen tundra of (laughs) Minneapolis, Minnesota. Jesus Christ, it was cold up there. I have a friend up there right now. Uh, His name's David Seymour. We actually had him on the Pop Culture Palette a while back. He's uh, an illustrator. And uh, very good at what he does. He actually sent me a poster of uh, there's a, a Comic Con slash film festival that um, uh, Bruce Campbell does that he did the poster for this last year. Mm-hmm. He sent me the poster for, but um, he lives in Minneapolis. And right now, he just texted me right before we started. Let me look at the uh, the temperature and wind chill factor. The temperature is negative twenty one. Feels like negative forty nine. Good God. And he wrote, holy F this. <laughs> yeah, it, it got it got very cold. I think the coldest that it got was that it, it felt like negative 20. It's crazy. And that was the first night that we got there. And it was insane. I don't like it. it was, I don't like it. Well, it, I don't know like if anyone's listening, if you've been out in like extreme cold weather like that. But as soon as you step outside, it feels like all the air is just sucked right out of you. Yeah, because we're not used to it. I know. It was crazy because I got back uh, yesterday afternoon and it was like 64 degrees and it felt hot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was like I was wearing a long sleeve shirt with a short sleeve shirt underneath. And as soon as I got to Pensacola, you know, I just had to like take the long sleeve shirt off because I'm like, it's so hot. Now you know why Canadians come down here in the winter and are walking around on the beach in like Speedos and like 50 degree weather. And I'm like, are you crazy? Yeah. Like, no, it's good it, was wild, but it was it was, <laughs> it was a cool trip. I got to see a few cool places and, you know, just had an overall good time. That's cool. I uh, I didn't do too much this week. I went and got Resident Evil 2 on Friday mm-hmm. night and scared myself silly with that. So that's what I've been doing all weekend. Still haven't finished it, but, uh, but I plan on finishing it here in the next couple of nights. You would definitely know if you follow Jason on Twitter at JFunktastic, which all of you should do. <laughs> yes, you should. At JFunktastic. Go follow me. I have my little yeah. my little quips about what's going on in that freaking game with freaking ammo well, and the uh, Well just the just the witty banter is is good enough. Like if <laughs> if you and I were more like rivals, then we, we could have some good Twitter discussion. Oh yeah. <laughs> But um, but I'm going to uh, move into uh, the news for this week. What do you say? Let's do it. (laughs) 
This comes to us from uh, GameSpot.com. This was a big story that happened the other day. Metroid Prime 4's development restarted with Retro Studios taking over. Last week, Nintendo provided an unexpected update on the state of Metroid Prime 4. In a video, Senior Managing Executive Officer Shinya Takahashi admitted that the development of the game thus far hasn't reached the standards the publisher wanted and the project has been rebooted. Additionally, Retro Studios, the Texas-based team that developed the three previous entries in the series, has been brought back to work on the sequel. He says, although this is very regrettable, we must let you know that the current development progress has not been reached, uh, has not reached the standards <clears throat> we're seeking a sequel in the Metroid Prime series. Nintendo always strives for the highest quality in our games and in our development phase. We challenge ourselves and confront whether the game is living up to that quality on a daily basis. And so they have restarted the whole thing. Basically looked at what they had, decided it wasn't good enough, and went back to the drawing board. What do you think about that? I'll be honest. I'm a little surprised that Retro Studios wasn't developing this game from the beginning. I know. know, As it mentions, they made one through three. And my main experience through those Prime games is really playing the first one. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it, so... I think it's a good move. I mean, Nintendo, we've bashed Nintendo in the past for how long it takes for them to make games, but what I will always give them credit for is that they will not release a game until they feel it's right. Yeah, uh, it's very much like Blizzard, yeah. And I think that's what they should do with this game, because, you know, Metroid Prime 4 is a game that has been, is people have been excited about it for a long time, and yeah, I know we've had a long time to wait, but... Um, God, with King, like I'll use Kingdom Hearts as an example. Kingdom Hearts three just came out, mm-hmm. and Kingdom Hearts two came out like thirteen years ago. I mean, I'll be honest; I'd rather wait another two years for a great game than have a half-ass game out at Christmas. That's just my thoughts on the subject. There's plenty of other things to play in the meantime. Uh, if you're waiting, if you've been waiting on the the next Metroid game, I mean, it sucks. It really does suck to have to wait. Because I don't think they're going to be taking anything that's been done so far and porting it over. I think they're just going back. They're just, you know, starting from scratch. Yeah. That sucks. But at the same time, would you rather wait a while to get a great game or have a half-assed game this year? So take it how you want it, you know? Yeah. No, I I agree with 100% with what you're saying. I would much rather wait until... You know, possibly, I think the earliest this game will come out is probably 2021. Yeah. But I think it'll be worth the wait. Yeah, I'd say probably probably by uh, summer or Christmas 2021. Yeah, I would agree with that. Our next story, this is a cool one, comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Modder tries to create a first-person 8-bit Zelda game inside the Doom engine. <laughs> The Legend of Zelda has taken some interesting new steps in recent years. Breath of the Wild was an entirely different take on the franchise's usual setup, but one thing we wouldn't expect to see is a first-person adventure, and especially not a first-person adventure with NES-style graphics. As so it happens, it is exactly what one modder going by the name Excodius has set out to create. As they state on the project's ModB page, the project began as a silly idea while me and my friend were playing Zelda on the good old NES. We thought it would be really cool if you could run around in first person and look at Hyrule in all its 8-bit glory. He's been working on the project for years, using the Doom engine to recreate locations and scenarios from the original Legend of Zelda game. And they have some cool images on the article showing what it's like, and it's it's very unique seeing it in first person, I'm not going to lie. It looks like Minecraft. It really does. It looks like Minecraft meets Doom. Yeah. But I'll be honest, I'd play it. I I would too. It's, it looks pretty cool. Absolutely play it. <laughs> it looks really awesome, especially this first picture that that pops up as soon as you click on the article. I mean, it's pretty much like the second board of uh, of the game, and mm. you're everything is just upright, and you're looking at it in a first person perspective. And I think that would be awesome to play this game that way. Well, and then it asks the question, I think this would actually be an interesting debate. Do you think Nintendo will ever make Zelda first person in the future? Uh, I doubt it. 
the only thing that I could see them doing is making it like an option. Like you can yeah. go from first person to third person. I, I don't think yeah. that's something I don't think that you would change with Zelda. Like with Metroid, it's a shooter, so it worked. But with Zelda, I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, they do that for the Elder Scrolls games, which are a yeah. very close analog to uh, Legend of Zelda. So I don't think that would be you know, too far out of the park to think about that they would do something like that to give you the option to go first person, which I think would be fun. But I, I actually prefer the uh, third person in any game that I play. I prefer third person. Yeah. That's just me, though. No, I... Worst case scenario, I think you have it where you can switch between first and third. Yeah. So that way you have the option of playing it from a new perspective or the traditional one. This does look really cool, though. I would love to play yes. this. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, and another story, uh, as I was talking about Resident Evil 2 earlier, this is on Forbes.com. Resident Evil 2 sold an astonishing 3 million copies in its first week. Resident Evil 2 is a remarkably good remake of a classic horror game. I ha uh, hasn't finished the game, but he's enjoying it. Uh, appears many other games are as well. Capcom announced today that the game has sold 3 million copies in its first week. Uh, that is a staggering sum of money for a remake. Uh, and Resident Evil 7 sales topped 2.5 million in its first week, so it's already off to a better start. Uh, Capcom says Capcom says it expects RE2 to reach a similar number of sales as Resident Evil 7, which sold a total of six million copies. The original 1998 Resident Evil 2 sold 4.96 million copies, um, so it should outsell that easily. Yeah, that's awesome. That's because I know though. Resident Evil 2 is a really popular game, even though that I've never been a fan of them. But I know they have their audience, and a lot of the games are, especially this one, have been very well-reviewed, so I, I think it's awesome. I've been absolutely loving it. It is so much better than I ever could have expected it to be. Maybe one day I'll have to give it a try. Oh, you have to. And uh, don't play it in the dark like I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's awesome. But, uh, but let's go ahead and move into uh, this month in video game history. Let's see. Uh, up first, we have January 26, 1996. We have Guardian Heroes from, uh, let's see, who developed this game? Let me pull up the page here. Uh, Looks like Sega. A, yeah, published by Sega. It's a 2D side-scrolling beat-em-up video game with role-playing elements. It was developed by Treasure and released in 96 for the Sega Saturn video game console. A sequel was released in 2004 for the Game Boy Advance, entitled Advance Guardian Heroes. That damn Sega Saturn. Damn you, Sega. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to, uh, to, to Derek before we started that, um, you know, we had five Thursdays in January, and January is a thin month for a video game history, so we was stretching it pretty thin. Yeah, but this is the last January, so that's, that's one positive about it. But what are you doing back yeah. there, kitty kitty? <laughs> I hear I'm doing something. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. Cat's always causing mischief. <laughs> also on January 26th of 1996, uh, Micro Cabin slash Sega releases Mystaria: The Realms of Lore. Ooh, I like that name. Let's see. Oh, it was also for the Sega Saturn. Uh, it's a tactical role-playing game. It, in late 96, it was re-released as Blazing Heroes in North America. Hmm. Never heard its of it. graphics consist of pre-rendered sprites and polygonal backgrounds. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't heard of this game either. I mean, I I knew little, excuse me, little to nothing about the uh, Sega Saturn. This yeah, was my, I, my only real experience with Sega was the Genesis. I didn't, uh, yeah, same with me. I, I didn't really know anything about the Saturn or, uh, what was the other one? The, um, the 32X. Uh, yeah, 32X. I didn't know much about any of those systems. Yeah. Uh, also in January 29th of 1990, what was it? Yours is 96. 3D Realms and GT Interactive released Duke Nukem 3D. First-person shooter video game developed by 3D Realms. It is a sequel to the platform games Duke Nukem and Duke Nukem 2. You don't say. 
uh, features the adventures of the titular Duke Nukem, voiced by John St. John, who fights against an alien invasion on Earth. Has there been a Duke Nukem movie? I don't think so. That's a little surprising. Well, it's kind of hard to have a Duke Nukem movie since he's pretty much based on every single Schwarzenegger and 80s action hero all mashed into one. Who would you get to play Duke Nukem if they made a movie? Oh, God. Uh, John Cena? (laughs) (laughs) Didn't we talk about that? I think we did. I remember having this conversation. Yeah, because it it was was rumored that Cena was going to play him. I mean, I I could see that. Yeah, I could. I mean, yeah, the I, Rock I, is always a fallback option, but yeah, but he does everything. I, it's time to get somebody yeah. else a, a little screen time. Yeah, no, I I could see Cena doing it. I would watch that. Yeah, I would too. January 31st of 1996, Mega Man X3, the third installment in the popular Mega Man franchise, is released by Capcom for the SNES. I think uh, you should go through the uh, the Mega Man X series on the SNES and review those. Yeah, I've done Mega Man X. I just need to get X2. I know the, the games are fairly pricey. Yeah. I've seen... I want to say I saw X2 the other day at the trading post and... The the price kind of scared me. I, bet it as did. Do, I don't even want to know. As do a lot of those SNES <laughs> games, which uh, they they get good games, and there are games that I want to play, but it's tough to give that kind of money. Yeah, it is. I, I've thought about dropping some money on a, a box copy of Metroid <laughs> last mm-hmm. week, but I was like, yeah, I need to save my money. Yeah. Uh, on January 12th of 1998, Marvel versus Capcom Clash of Superheroes was released. It is a crossover fighting game developed and published by Capcom. It is the third installment in the Marvel versus Capcom series, which features characters from Capcom video game franchises and comic book series published by Marvel Comics. Did you ever play Marvel versus Capcom in the uh, the arcades? I was actually I'm glad you put this in there because as many times as you've told arcade stories and I say, oh, well, I never really played too many arcade games. This is one of them. I actually played this game yes. quite a bit um, in our well, in a mall we used to have here. It had uh, an arcade inside of it and the game that I would always go to Marvel versus Capcom. So good. It's yeah, I know. Uh, I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could afford a, a Marvel versus Capcom machine just to have. Oh, that would be great. It's such a beautiful console, and, and the game is good. Like, uh, It's just mm-hmm. fighting game perfection. Yeah. No, it's it's really good. I, I wish they would do, because I'm looking at the platforms, it's Arcade, Dreamcast, PlayStation, PS3, and Xbox 360. Have they yeah. done a recent Marvel vs. Capcom game? I think they did. Um, well, I mean, I'm thinking recent, but it's probably been like 10 years or so. Uh, it was Let's, re-released in 2012 for PS3, Xbox 360. But, that might uh, be what I'm thinking of. Probably, because I don't think they've put anything else past that. They should make another one. They should, but I'm pretty sure say. they don't have the license by now, because Marvel's blown up. Yeah. That license would cost a lot of money. Yeah, it would. January 21st, 1998... Resident Evil 2, the original, is released for the PlayStation and Nintendo 64. I loved it on Nintendo 64. It's still, I have so many memories of playing this game and then playing the remake the last few days is just, it put me right back in that world. Yeah. They did such a good job with that, man. Like I said before, I don't have really any experience playing the Resident Evil games, but I do acknowledge how popular they are, especially the older ones. Because I remember like this Resident Evil 2, I felt was bigger than Resident Evil 1. Oh, it was. It was huge. Resident Evil 2 was a, a, a system seller. I mean, it was people bought PlayStations just to play Resident Evil 2. You know, and yeah. I got it on Nintendo 64 and was just, it, I, I played it through all the way through dozens of. And dozens of times, just because yeah. I loved it so much. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, also, uh, January 28th, <laughs> 1998, Final Fantasy Tactics was released. Uh, let's see who the developer was on this. Um, published by Squaresoft. Uh, later changed to Square and now Square Enix for the Sony PlayStation video game console. It was the first game of the Final Fantasy Tactics series and was released in Japan in June 1997 and the United States in January 98. Game combines thematic elements of the Final Fantasy video game series with a game engine and battle system unlike those previously seen in the franchise. Uh, in contrast to other 32-bit era Final Fantasy titles, Tactics uses a 3D isometric rot rotatable playing field with bitmap sprite characters. Have I ever told you my favorite thing to do with a Final Fantasy game? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Put it back on the shelf. Yes. <laughs> no, it's, I've never heard of Final Fantasy Tactics. See, the, this is the thing. When you have a series that spans 10 plus games, I feel like spinoffs are a little redundant yeah but that's just me see i, I want to build this up to when i actually finally review a final fantasy game i want that to be our most popular show yeah. that we ever do <laughs> like i'm gonna i'm gonna build it up like a like a pro wrestling storyline mm -hmm. <laughs> uh god people are gonna hate me yeah <laughs> it's fine uh let's see january 29th of 1998 Bomberman World is released for the original PlayStation. Ooh. Have you ever played a Bomberman game? Uh, I did um, back in the early Nintendo Nintendo days. Uh, I remember there was some uh, one Bomberman game way back in the mid-80s that I played on the, the NES, but um, I, I don't think Bomberman was in the... In the arcades, too. I think it was just on the Nintendo. But yeah, I did play the original Bomberman game. The only one I've played was a spinoff for the Game Boy. It was called Wario Blast. And it was basically like it plays in the Bomberman style of games, but just has like a slight Nintendo influence on it where you can play as either Wario or Bomberman. Hmm. So that, that was that why I fun. bought it. I mean, it was, it was a pretty fun game. Yeah, I mean, the Bomberman games are kind of fun if you're into, like, sort of puzzle game type stuff. Like, it's kind of addictive, but um, it, it just, it never really captured me all that much. Because I think by the time it came out for the NES, it was already a couple of years old at that time. Uh, it had been released in Japan, like, three or four years before it even came out in the United States. Yeah. Uh, I, sh I should review that game. You War should. Blast. Yeah, you should. Uh, January 29th, 1998, Busta Groove was released, uh, published by Enix in Japan and brought to the U.S. by now-defunct 989 Studios and SCEE in Europe. It is a hybrid music fighting video game for the Sony PlayStation. Uh, the original Japanese game was entitled Busta Move Dance and Rhythm Action. Uh, it became Busta Groove because the Japanese puzzle series Puzzle Bobble uh, was already going under the name Busta Move for its American incarnation. So, huh, did not know that. Let's see, it combined Parappa the Rapper-like rhythm-based gameplay with fighting game elements. This sounds like a very odd game. Sounds like something I don't want to play. <laughs> no, not to mention the cover art gives me a... God, the, the logo just gives me a headache. That looks way too 90s for my taste. Yeah... Yeah, I I would agree with that. And finally, on January 31st of 1998, Skull Monkeys hmm. is released. That sounds I well no actually I don't recognize this. It was published by EA for the PlayStation. And it's the sequel to The Neverhood, and rather than being a graphic adventure, it's a platformer. I've never heard of this. I have no idea. Uh, in the single-player platform game, the player controls Clayman, a resident of the Neverhood who was kidnapped in order to prevent the destruction of the Neverhood. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> it doesn't look... Uh, the cover's a little weird. It looks very 90s. Reminds me a little bit of um, 
what's that movie? It was an animated movie about no, it was uh, Paranorman. Oh yeah, it does. It reminds have me a, a little bit of look to it. Yeah, I've heard that's actually a really good movie. Weird. Oh, uh, Paranorman's great. If you've never seen it, oh my goodness, it's it's it is Tim Burton as shit. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, I'll have to watch it. I watch it every uh, Halloween, or at least I try to. Yeah. Uh, and let's see, that rounds us out for this month in video game history. So tonight, Derek is going to be talking about... So ominous. Now that is some moody music. But it definitely sets the tone for the game. So to continue Metroid Month, this week I will be reviewing Metroid Fusion, which is an action-adventure game published by Nintendo for the Game Boy Advanced handheld console in 2002. It's the fourth installment in the Metroid series and was developed by Nintendo Research and Development 1, which previously developed the 94 game Super Metroid, which there are some similarities with the gameplay because this came out at the same time as Metroid Prime. And that was kind of the big deal that was made about both those games is that you know, Metroid completely skipped the, um, the N64 console. So I guess Nintendo rewarded everyone's patience with not one but two games yeah. at virtually the same time. And, and the cool thing is, is that, you know, prime was trying out new things with the first person shooter aspect, whereas fusion was more of the traditional gameplay. But the, the cool thing about fusion and I felt like fusion got a little overlooked because of all the attention that prime was getting. Cause I mean, it was for the main console and it was trying out, you know, a new style of gameplay and everything. But Honestly, I prefer Fusion over Prime, and I think with the story, as much as I love Super Metroid, I think I like the story for Fusion a little bit better. Hmm. And uh, go ahead. I've never played Metroid Fusion. I I would love to. Um, It looks great. It looks Mm -hmm. really fun. I just I never played any Game Boy games. If you like Super Metroid, which I know you do, you would love Metroid Fusion. Gameplay, pretty much, it's spot on, like Super Metroid. Did you say the uh, the wall jump was a little bit uh, wonky? Like... Oh, it's just it's just as frustrating. <laughs> Ugh, there's there's that. one area where you have to use the wall jump, and I got I got so frustrated because I would hit one wall, then hit the other, now try to hit the third and just go. fall right back down Uh, that sucks yeah so to explain what the story is about and i'll explain why i i think it's really good uh bounty hunter samus aaron explores the surface of the planet sr388 with a survey crew from bsl which is biologic space laboratories she is attacked by parasitic organisms known as x on the bsl station samus loses consciousness and her ship crashes the Galactic Federation recovers her body and discovers that the X has infected Samus's central nervous system. They cure her with a vaccine made from cells taken from the infant Metroid that Samus adopted on SR388. The vaccine basically infuses her DNA with Metroid DNA, which alters her cellular structure. Ooh. Now, in doing that, it gives her the ability because the Metroid is the natural predator for the X parasite. The drawback to that is what is the Metroid's one big weakness? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ice. So she is, in her DNA being fused with a Metroid, she's now vulnerable to cold. Ah. And because of that, like, you know, because part of her power suit is organic, she can no longer use the ice beam because her cellular makeup rejects it. Oh, that sucks because the ice beam is like the best thing to use in the games. <laughs> well, you do get, once you recover your missiles, you get a, um, like, you basically get ice missiles okay. at a later point through the game. So you still use the ice attack. You just don't have the ice beam. Hmm. So it, through doing this, um, like when she regains consciousness, her suit's also a little different. Uh, but I actually think it looks really cool. Um, and there's a picture of it. If you go on the Wikipedia, you'll see what the suit looks like on the cover of the the game art. Yeah, it's really cool. Once she wakes up, there's an explosion that happens on the space station. So she's sent by the Federation to investigate it. And she has a um, she has a new ship and she also has a new computer, which she nicknames Adam after and in. Going through this game, you learn a little bit more about her past. Uh, she had a former commanding officer named Adam Malkovich, and the computer reminds her a lot of him, so she names the computer Adam. Hmm. And there are little references that happen that, that I won't spoil for anyone who hasn't played the game. But um, basically, you go through the space station to find out what's caused the explosion, and these ex-parasites have basically taken it over. And they can replicate, like, what they do is they basically take over a host, kill it, and they can take over its physical appearance, it gains um, its abilities, memories, various things like that. But the crazy thing is, and the main villain of this game is a parasite called the SAX, which is the parasite that infected parts of Samus's power suit. So it replicates Samus at full power. And it's chasing you throughout the station. So you're kind of running from it. (laughs) And I'll tell you, like, you'll run into it in certain parts of the space station and you can hide from it. Or if you're feeling frosty, you could try and fight it. But I don't recommend it. Not a big fan of of trying to fight stuff. I like to hide (laughs) if I can. Especially, that's something that I do a lot in Resident Evil 2, is uh, you don't get a lot of ammo, so you do a lot of running. There's one part of the game where you have to hide, and you're basically, like, once you get the the morph ball ability, you hide in this little, like, little passageway under the main floor, and you watch the SAX walk above you, and then it'll turn into morph ball mode and drop a power bomb, which exposes everything that's like if the if the floor like is breakable by any type of weapon like it wipes out everything so if you don't know exactly where to hide you'll get you'll get caught and that thing will kill you in like four laser shots awesome so a lot of the game is spent you know recovering your abilities so you can eventually fight this thing and then you uncover other things about the um, about the Federation that are, I won't say corrupt, but things that Samus wouldn't agree with. So it's to me, it's much more story driven than a lot of the Metroid games. And I really like it because it it kind of adds a little bit of uh, an aliens aspect to it because it's a very intimate setting and you're spending most of your time running for something while you're trying to figure out like how to get off the space station. So in the Metroid story chronology here, it says, I, I did not know this. 
uh, <clears throat> starts off Metroid Zero Mission, Metroid Prime, Prime Hunters, Prime 2 Echoes, Prime 3 Corruption, Prime Federation Force, Prime 4, which hasn't been released yet, uh, Return of Samus, Super Metroid, and Other M, and then Fusion. Mm-hmm. So where does regular Metroid fall in that? In there, the the first game Metroid doesn't. Say. It's it's game one. Um, the remake oh Zero of, Mission. I see. Yeah, I didn't know it was called. The remake zero of mission. the original was Zero Mission. Oh okay, I got you. Yeah. No, it's. I wish they would make a sequel to Fusion, just because I'd love to see like what happens after Samus has to cope with the fact that her DNA has basically been altered. Yeah. I, I just think there's cool stories to tell from that. I would just love to see another... Uh, I mean, I would love to see Prime 4 as a, you know, a first person uh, to, uh, you know, to keep along the lines of the Prime series, but I would love to have another fusion like, you know, side-scroller. Yeah. I'd love to play another side-scroller. Because this was the last side-scroller Metroid game. Hmm. And I, I never played Other M for the... Um, yeah, it came out for the Wii. Yeah, I didn't play that one either. Um, I'd like to. I still have my Wii, but it's, it's not hooked up or anything. Yeah. Or at least, worst case scenario, watch like all the cinematics from it. Yeah. Because it's supposed to deal a lot with her past, which I, I, I think would be kind of cool to see. Hmm. But yeah, as far as the gameplay goes, it plays relatively just like you know, Super Metroid or any of the other side-scrolling games. As you go throughout the game, you have to fight um, what are called the Core X parasites, which basically take the form of various bosses. Once you defeat them, then it turns into just the Core, which is basically a giant parasite. And you, when you kill it, you absorb what's left over from it, and that's how you recover most of your abilities. So it's it's still similar in the fact that you start with virtually nothing and you have to recover like your morph ball ability, your plasma beam, missiles and various, you know, power ups. Like poor that, Samus. That are, She's always mm-hmm. having to rebuild up her arsenal <laughs> and power ups. Yeah. Like she always loses them and has to re re uh, build everything back up. Yeah. Let's see, Nintendo confirmed a Metroid game for the Game Boy Advance on March 23, 2001. Despite speculation that the game would be based on Super Metroid, Ken Lobb, Nintendo of America's Director of Game Development, quelled rumors by stating, one of the things I wanted to get across in today's meeting is that it's not Super Metroid. It's something new. Let's see, uh, the first video footage, a 10-second clip, was shown to the public on May 18, 2001 at that year's E3. By then, the game was titled Metroid 4, and then at E3 the following year, IGN awarded Metroid Fusion Best of Show and Best Action Game. Wow. Let's see, then it was released uh, in November of 2002. And a cool thing about this is that uh, there's actually some connectability between Metroid Prime and Metroid Fusion. So if you have the... um, the link cable where you can plug in your um, Game Boy Advance as a GameCube controller, you can actually get the Fusion armor and use it in Metroid Prime. That's pretty sweet. I love crossover stuff like that. I remember trying it for the first time, and you know when you land on the planet and she comes out of the the ship and you see her in the Fusion armor, I'm like, holy shit, that's, (laughs) that's pretty badass. I can't remember if there was any vice versa connectability. Um, I'll actually look that up real quick. I don't think there was. I'm trying to look up uh, look that up here, and I'm not seeing anything. Yeah, let's see. Well, this is the original article from GameSpot. Um, let's see. Okay, the only the only two connections were um, by completing Metroid Prime and by linking Prime and Fusion via the link cable, players will be able to use Samus's Metroid Fusion suit in Prime. Hmm. In addition, by completing Metroid Fusion and by linking both games, 
players can unlock the original NES version of Metroid. Oh. Well, that that I mean for that time, yeah. That that was a pretty cool little bonus. But I mean I I think the getting the armor is is much cooler. So let's see. Oh, go ahead. Oh uh, no, uh, you go ahead. Okay. Um, as far as reception goes, uh, it received critical acclaim according to Metacritic. The Japanese game magazine Famitsu gave it a 34 out of 40. X-Play claimed that it was a pleasure to play and, play and praised its beautiful graphics and audio. The game satisfied IGN, with, which appreciated the lengthy minimum of 10 to 12 hours. That was something else I did forget. It is a fairly long game because yeah. you have to go through... You basically go through the prologue, and there are six different sections of the space station that you have to go to, and they're all, um, they're all modeled after different environments. And one is actually an Arctic theme, so you can't go to it until after you get the Varia suit, that's which pretty hefty. That's a pretty hefty uh, game length to be just a, a Game Boy game. Oh, for a handheld, it's absolutely a long game. Yeah. And uh, much like in Metroid Formula, once you get certain power-ups, you can go back and collect other things in other in other sections. But um, there are some cool ones. You know, there was the Arctic one. There's one called um, Nocturnal, which is an entirely, like, night-based. So a lot of the area is very dark, so it's tough to see, especially playing it on an old Game Boy. That was the cool thing is I actually, at the, the trading post, I found a copy of this game. And luckily, I still had my old Game Boy SP hmm. and forgot, even with the backlight, how difficult it can be to see on that thing. Yeah. Because it's, it's not in high def. <laughs> so, but it, it was still fun. Uh, I, I really, really enjoy this game. And I know it got some good reviews, but I think in talking with like Metroid fans, I feel like Metroid Fusion is a little overlooked because everyone talks about Prime, everyone talks about the original and Super Metroid, and rightfully so. But Fusion is a really, really good game. And it's next to Super Metroid, it's my favorite game of the entire franchise. Like, I like this game better than Prime. Wow. Have they released this on, uh, Let's see, the so, Wii U Virtual Console in April yeah, 2014. You would think it would be on the 3DS yeah. uh, Virtual Console, and that was where I thought it was originally, so I logged on and looked, but I didn't see it. Uh, it and, says but, it was but, but, released on the 3DS uh, December 2011 for select customers. I don't know what that means. Why, Nintendo? I don't know. Why? <laughs> That's so stupid. Uh, but listen to some of these reviews. Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a 9.1 out of 10. Eurogamer, 9 out of 10. Game Informer, a perfect 10. IGN, 9.5. Nintendo Power gave it 5 stars. Play gave it 5 stars. And then GamePro gave it 4.5 out of 5 stars. This game's getting high praise. I know. And I think, you know, it's... It's what I say a lot of the times, you know, like, like Super Metroid is about as perfect of a Super Nintendo game as you can get. You take the elements of it and you add just enough that's different to make it feel like a different experience. Yeah. And that's exactly what Metroid Fusion is. And I, I've had so much fun you know, playing through this game again. And I, I've beaten it before back when it originally came out. I haven't beat it since going through you know replaying it for the review but i'm still going to keep playing it heck i'll probably play it after we after we finish the show and see you would think something like this would be a no-brainer for nintendo to release on uh you know nintendo switch online like this is the perfect thing to release for that drink wally yeah, drink Wally. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you think about it. I mean, there's only one other way to get this. I mean, other than having an actual Game Boy Advance, is on the Wii U Virtual Console. Like, who has a Wii U? <laughs> you know, maybe four or five people in the country still. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I. I don't. I really want to explain like the the plot twist that happens, but I. 
but I won't. I mean, if you wanted to, if you wanted to know, I mean, you could read the the Wikipedia, but yeah, I'm trying to stay so away from the the story part of it or yeah. the plot. All you need to know is that Samus's DNA has been altered because she got infected with a parasite. <laughs> Pray I don't alter it any further. <laughs> <laughs> I am altering the deal. And you're being chased by a fully powered version of yourself. That's awesome. I want to play this. They need to release it on the the, the Switch Online. I want to play it right now. I would yeah, I would go play it right now if it was on there. It's really good. I would give this game I'd give it a nine and a half. That's awesome. Like it's it's so freaking good. And it's one of my it's definitely one of my favorite handheld games, but Heck, even it's it's up there on my favorite games list. You know, like I said, it's I still like Super Metroid a little bit better, but Fusion is is very close. So does the uh, the Super Game Boy um, play Game Boy Advance games? It does not, unfortunately. Uh, well, that sucks. You'd have to have um, they released a Game Boy Player for the GameCube, where you it was basically like an adapter that you would hook into the bottom of your GameCube and you would have to put a certain disc into it. Mm. And you could play Game Boy Advance games that way. Well, that kind of makes sense. Like, that kind of technology at the time. Yeah. Of course, it's wonder, probably hard to actually find the disc at this point. I wonder if I still have my disc. I know I have the player still hooked up to the GameCube, but I don't know if I still have the actual disc. Otherwise, I would... Just hook it up to my TV and play it. Yeah, that would be the easiest thing to do. Yeah, because staring at it, like that's one <laughs> thing I don't miss is like playing games on an original yeah. like Game Boy or even a Game Boy Advance. Yeah, it's kind of hard. The, the 3DS is fine, but but uh, but no, it's that backlight. Yeah, but no, definitely play Metroid Fusion. I highly, highly recommend it. One of the best games in that entire franchise. Well, cool. Well, um, I guess that's going to bring us to the end of your review, yeah? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, is there anything else that uh, you wanted to tell the good people before we get out of here for this week? Well, we do have an announcement. Yes, we do. Do you, me... you want me, to, do you yeah, want me you, to break that? You go right ahead. So, coming up, uh, we're at the end of January, and a little less than a month will be Pensacon, which is Pensacola's uh, comic convention that they've held every year since 2014. And for, did we do a panel last year? No, we didn't. Okay, so for the first time ever, we will be doing a panel featuring Nerd Cave Retro at Pensacon. Yes, we will. And for those who live in the area or if you're close by and you want to make the drive, it's going to be held Sunday, February 24th at 4 p.m., at the Grand Hotel Room A, which is the hotel directly across the street from the Bay Center, which is where the majority of the events at Pensacon are held. But due to the the building logistics, they've had to use other buildings for panels and workshops and various things like that. So yeah. um, I'm really excited for it. I know we had a lot of fun doing the panel at Gulf Coast Fan Fest, and I think this one's going to be even better. It's my understanding that our fact checker will yes. be there, so I, I can't live my I can't live by my philosophy of never letting facts get in the way of a good story. That's right. Wally will be there with us, and uh, hopefully this time we'll be able to get better audio by actually being able to plug into the PA system. Well, I'm going to get there a little earlier uh, to see if that will be possible. If they're using the the same equipment as they were last year then it should be fine. Awesome. I'm sure they will. I mean, we did some panels there before and you were able to to plug into the board, so Yeah. If I can find the info real quick. Uh no, I did not want to go to that. Um stand by. Um other than that, um you know, just be sure to check out the Derek Diamond experience. Um, I'm actually this week I'm releasing a really cool interview that I did with an actor uh, his name's Patrick Kilpatrick. He mostly played like minor villain roles in the '90s, but he's he's been on screen with like Tom Cruise, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, 
Um, he really goes through like the process of how to prep to play um, a, a villain in movies. So it was a really fascinating chat. So if you're into that sort of thing, you can check out that episode this upcoming Thursday. Um, and you can follow the show on all of the social medias at um, D Diamond Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I like to play the villains, too. <laughs> you you have played one in the past. That's right. Uh, oh, so real, real quick, uh, I did find the other thing I was looking for. Also at Pensacon, I'm going to be moderating a panel that I will be recording for my show. Um, that's going to be the same day, Sunday, February 24th, at 1.30 in Pensacola Grand Hotel, Room B. The title defending bad movies yes <laughs> and i don't know who's gonna be on the panel yet but it's gonna be a lot of fun i just have to find what movie that i want to defend and no i will not pick super mario brothers because there's no defending that piece of shit i can't wait to, to attend that panel that's gonna be fun yeah, it's gonna be great but um, but I really don't have anything to pimp for this week. So if you want to just hear me ramble on and, and bitch about Resident Evil 2, just go follow me over on Twitter at JFunktastic, and that's all I have to say about that. And that's all I have to say. So Derek, I think I'm going to... Well, what'd you say? I said, and that's all I've got to say Jedi. about that. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and play our music here. What do you say? Sure. If it'll play. There we go. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We are at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. Individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Go get, heck, you know, throw us a buck every month. Get us up to that $50 a month mark again, and we'll start doing some extra episodes every month and also leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast from just go over there take a couple seconds tell everybody that that you like the show and they should listen to it too so Derek please tell everyone what it's all about wow Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.